Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. You're listening to the Fish Untamed podcast, your home for fly fishing in the backcountry. All right, welcome to episode number 27 of the Fish Untamed podcast. Today I got a chance to talk to Sarah Comissioni with Find Your Strong with Sarah. And I've been wanting for a while to get someone on the show to talk a little bit about fitness and nutrition when it comes to the outdoors. Uh, Obviously, you don't need to be in perfect shape to go fishing. You don't need to eat a perfect diet. And that's one of the great things about fishing is that it's pretty accessible to whoever wants to do it. Um, But that said, I know a lot of my friends and I like getting pretty far in the backcountry to you know, find fish and, and find places to fish. So, uh, I do try to stay in decent shape and, um, eat a decent diet just so when I, when I want to go far back in the back country, I don't need to worry about how much of a struggle it's going to be. Um, there's times that, you know, the hike in is a real grind and, and it's tough, but, um, if you're prepared for that and, and you've trained for it, it's not the end of the world and you can go a lot farther than you think you could, um, even for just a day trip, or if you want to do a multi-day trip, um, just being in good shape and eating a good diet and, and just taking care of your body, um, is a great way to basically prepare yourself for whatever you're going to come across. And so that's why I wanted to have Sarah on because her business find your strong with Sarah is completely focused around this idea that, um, instead of exercising just for the sake of exercising, uh, exercise for the ability to make your your hobbies or your outdoor passions a little bit easier to do. And she works with all different kinds of clients with different goals, but the kind of the overarching theme is that most of her clients just want to be stronger, healthier people so they can uh, really enjoy what they like to do outside. Um, so a lot of this interview isn't specific to fishing, um, just because fishing itself is is not necessarily any different than anything else you're doing in the backcountry in terms of the fitness you need. Um, but we just talk about a lot of the general things that she does to take care of herself, um, things she recommends to her clients. And then we do end on a, a couple fishing-specific exercises you can do um, that are more for um, the flexibility and you know the fact that when you're fishing, you're doing a lot of repetitive motions. Um, and that can take a toll on the body in itself. So um, some recovery exercises as well to, to keep yourself from locking up 
up or, or pulling something just from that repetitive motion. So without further ado, here is my chat with Sarah Camissioni. If you just want to um, kind of explain your background and whether um, you kind of started in the outdoors and that inspired your fitness journey or if um, fitness was your passion and you realized that that kind of assisted you in getting into the outdoors. That's funny. That's a good question. So I guess it's a, a, a discussion or an argument of which one came first, the chicken or the egg. So I started, you know, being drug on my sister's outdoor cross country runs when we were really young. I grew up in a small town in Florida, but then I moved at a very young age to a really small town in Kansas. And so like kind of country folk. And so by default, my mom would be like, go play outside. So I grew up outside playing with sticks and like climbing trees, you know? And so I was always a real outdoorsy girl in a small town and would always like find the creeks and the lakes and the ponds to play in. And as a small kid, um, our family had a small dairy farm out in the country. And so we would go fishing on the ponds um, when I was younger. But I would always go on these long cross-country runs with my sister out into the middle of nowhere. So I think at a really young age, I was exposed to fitness in the outdoors. I was exposed to running through these back roads in the trees, in the woods, on the trails. And it was really cool. It was a really meditative experience and just a really unique way to experience the outdoors. So I would say they came hand in hand, you know, one didn't come without the other or before the other, they, they happened simultaneously because, you know, it was through the body and using my body that I got outdoors. And so, um, but on a, on a more relatable scale with the fishing side of stuff, you know, I started fishing on my uncle's ponds and on the ponds on the property when we were really young and you know as I grew older and I, I ended up going back to Florida when I was a really young teenager and that's when I really got heavy into saltwater fishing and okay. sport fishing which was super fun um the girls we would call ourselves I was like 16 to 20 at this time and I had linked up with you know 40 year old women 50 year old <laughs> women <laughs> And the girls, us, meaning the child and the adults, you know, we would take the boat out, one of their boats, we would take one of their boats out usually once a week, if every other week, and we would just go sport fish off the coast for mahi mahi and, and tuna and come back off the boat on the dock on the marina and like immediately do like fish fries and like fish tacos. And that was probably when I really I think got into fishing like compulsively um and then you know obviously when I moved to Colorado in my I think it was about six or seven years ago we talked about this I can't figure out how long it's been since I've been here about six or seven years ago I moved here and got introduced to fly fishing from a friend actually so now is that why you moved out here for the fishing I was finishing undergrad and grad school in Kansas City, and um, I'd been in Kansas City for about 10, 12, 15 years. It's kind of gray. My timelines are really gray, if you haven't picked up that theme yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I was kind of living in the suburbs, and I was that 
outdoor girl at heart still where I would go on a trail for a walk, a wooded, uh, you know, a paved trail. And I would be a grown 20 something girl jumping off the trail into bushes to find the creeks and like explore Mm -hmm. and, you know, coming out covered in poison ivy and poison oak. So I was super outdoorsy, but like trapped in a non outdoorsy place, which is Kansas city, (laughs) Kansas, even the burbs. So I moved out here. I had only been out here for like a day in, in my whole life. I had come out here for a day trip and I was like, I love it. It was due West. I knew someone here who had offered me a place to stay until I got a job after grad school and just drove straight out. And that was it. So I came out here because I had a free place to stay and I was really into the outdoors. And I thought that this would be a good place. I'd done some research. It had seemed really sunny. Um, it was sad or go back to South Florida. And I don't think that was really an option. <laughs> so, um, but I came out here for the outdoors not to fish. I didn't fly fish until I was here for about six months or eight months is when okay. I really got into fly fishing here. Yeah. But I feel like you picked a pretty good spot to, to merge the fitness and the, the fish. Well, just the outdoors in general. I mean, it's, the, it's a hot spot for both of those things separately um, and together. People who, who like both. But it sounds like you had a, a similar childhood to a lot of people I think who grow up and get more into the fitness, wellness, um, side of things just because as kids I feel like there's very few kids who would label something like exercises as you know a hobby of theirs um you know they might play sports a specific sport um but the keeping themselves healthy isn't like a priority that's not something that kids really care about but a lot of them are naturally just very active like you you don't you Mm -hmm. don't want to sit inside you want to be out running and playing and things like that so you know a lot of kids are participating in it without actually thinking about the fact that that's what they're doing um, so I, I feel like it kind of makes sense that the, the outdoors is what, what you were really participating in as a kid, but naturally you were just, you know, involved in the fitness world as well, just by, by being out there. Yeah. You know, this is funny because I just had this conversation on some Instagram stories recently because I, I started, I picked up golf. Well, my boyfriend is a golfer, so we, ha- we, ha- he has taught me how to golf. <laughs> um, and it came up during COVID because it was just a way to move my body. It's like a way to kind of swing a golf club in the bedroom when we can't go outside or get outside and just use your body in a different way to exert energy and to just feel strong and just move. Mm -hmm. And I, I realized when I picked that up, when I, since I started picking that up, how much, how important it is to use your body. And a lot of our hobbies like golf, fishing, whatever it is. They require you to have some sort of functionality within your body. You need to be able to move without pain so you can enjoy what you're doing longer. You know, you need to have a little bit of flexibility and core strength to swing a golf club or it's not going to be good. You know, you need to have fairly competent, strong legs to stand or cross a swift river, a swift river, you know, and now that's kind of the mindset that I take with my personal approach to fitness, which is making my body stronger and more functional so that I can do all of these adventures safer, longer, harder, and more enjoyably. So I'm not super fatigued trying to backpack or hike up to, you know, an Alpine Lake. I can, you know, more so enjoy it versus struggle up it. And as a result of that, that is a large basis of my clientele, our outdoor pursuant 
people, mostly women. I was about to say women, but I do have a handful of, of male clients. Um, but most of my clients are really about living in the outdoors and they mm-hmm. need their bodies to be pain-free, to be strong. They need strong legs to hike. They need strong cores to fish and rowboats and stuff like that. So it really does tie hand in hand seamlessly in Colorado and the whole Western border in general is a really popular, a lot of my clients are all the way up to the Pacific Northwest in Washington. Um, they're all active active women and we need strong bodies just to also feel safe to mm-hmm. feel that we can take care of ourselves when we're out there especially if we're out there by ourselves right which is a big one that's a big one for me too and and that's why i reached out to you in the first place um i've i've been wanting for a while to talk to somebody related to the fitness side of the outdoors um but there's uh, there's so many people out there who are into fitness and they're super fit and would probably do great outside. But a lot of people, you know, maybe their, their primary thing is I like weightlifting and I like, you know, being jacked or this, like there's the exercise is the primary thing, um, for the purpose of exercising, uh, which is great. You know, if your goal is to lose weight or this or that, that's, that's totally fine. Um, but for me, like, like you said, fitness has been more of a a means to an end, um, as much as I get, you know, mental benefit from exercising at the end of the day, the goal is to be better at the things I like doing. Um, and that's why I was drawn to you when I found your profile. And I don't know if I heard you on another podcast, if that's where I came across you. Um, but I've, I've followed you for a while and that's when I thought to reach out because, uh, from what I had seen, you had a very similar mindset in terms of, uh, you know, of course there are benefits to exercising beyond just being better at what you want to do. But at the end of the day, um, if all you're doing is working out, working out, working out, and then you have no hobbies, I mean, what are you really living for at that point? Yeah, this is really interesting. So, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this with like, almost like a caveat, like if you are just going to the gym, that's fine. I mean, to each their own, Sure, you know, like sure. It's, it's not my cup of tea anymore to just spend a ton of time in the gym. Like my approach to my fitness and the business model for my clients and, and my, my brand is fast, efficient, effective. Like we want to get in, get out because we want to do other things. We don't want to spend an hour and a half in the gym anymore. Just carving away our physique. We want to still have a strong physique and feel and strong, confident in our feel and, and be strong and confident in our bodies and our clothes and things like that. We still want to look good and feel good, but we want to do it in a more sustainable fashion, which means probably more frequent, shorter duration workouts for the most of us. Now, I, I, I'm not going to harp. I'm not, not, not saying that anyone should harp on it, but if someone doesn't want to hike and climb mountains, cool. If you still just want to go to the gym, that's good. I'd rather have people really just in better health and better shape for themselves, even if they don't quote unquote functionally do anything with it. But for me and most of my clients, that's just not what we're doing anymore. And for a long time, for a small window of time, I did that when I was in Kansas city and in grad school and in undergrad, you know, there was nothing to do with, with my body. You know, I can only go on so many trail runs out in the same loop in the middle of the suburbs. You know, I wasn't hiking mountains. I wasn't fishing. I wasn't hunting. Um, you know, I was barely recreational and fishing because you don't just don't have access to a lot of that stuff. Um, and so all I did was carve and push my body in the gym. And so for a while I was really kind of obsessive compulsive with it. And that's just part of my journey. It's helped me get to where I'm at now. Um, but it's really interesting the people that come in without 
really intense outdoor hobbies or pursuits and they come into fitness and they start to see the strength and physicality that their body is capable of. And sometimes it takes that base level of confidence and knowledge and the foundation of strength for them to trust their bodies to go do other things outside the box. So that's been really cool for me to see is like building up physical strength through the repetition of pumping iron. It builds up inner and outer self-confidence and inner and outer strength. And you develop strength and resiliency that carries over into so much more than just that workout and that confidence that you can take, that your body can actually hike, you know, like, you know, my, some of my clients would say things in the past, like, you know, they want to be able to hike without pain, or they want to know that they can go on a hike with a handful of people and not slow the whole group down. And that fear has held them back from Mm. going on those hikes. And so, you know, it's really cool to see people, unsure of their physical abilities break through those mental and physical blocks just through repetition of lifting weights in the gym you know it's um it's a really underrated thing to do for your body but the value you can get back from it is immeasurable for what it can do in your comprehensive life yeah i think that's a good point uh in that for example, like you said, there's obviously nothing wrong with if, if going to the gym is your hobby, like if, if exercising is your hobby, then that's totally fine. Um, but I think that especially in adults, there's a, a lot of um, there's a lot of distaste around exercising because if you're not using it for something, it just seems like a chore. Like I go to the gym, mm. I run on the mm-hmm. treadmill for an hour. I hate every second of it. I come home and I don't actually feel any better because I hated it. Um, mm-hmm. But um, if you're using it for something, uh, let's say hiking or um, golfing or, or any of the examples you've thrown out now when I'm in the, even if I am in the gym, cause like I do some trail running during the week, but I also, uh, do usually three days a week of just lifting and I'm not usually Smart. having that much fun while I'm lifting, but there is mm-hmm. a certain aspect of, it's probably not fun, but there's a satisfaction in seeing the weights I can lift increase where I'm like, Oh, that's a milestone. Um, my boyfriend and I always joke that because we've got the different plates and they're different color colors. And it's always fun to like jump up a color. Like, Oh, I can do, I can do this color plate now because I've never been able to do that before. And that translates to, wow, I like I've improved myself and that satisfaction alone makes it a, a some sort of fun form of fun. Um, where it's like, I'm, I'm more capable now than I was before. And I think having, 100%. yeah, having that outside, um, aspect, knowing that like, because I'm more capable, I just saw progress in the gym, which I'm not really having fun in here, but because I saw progress now I can translate that over and think, wow, maybe I can, maybe I can hike a steeper hill for longer now because my legs I can see are in more, sh- in better shape than they were before. Um, so I think it's, it's a, it's a good way to learn that the gym can be fun when you are stuck in the gym, because you can see that progress and translate in your mind, what can I do with this now? What can I do with this progress that I've made? A hundred percent. You know, some of the things that I've had to, that I've instilled with the framework that I coach my clients on is they'll come in with a real loose goal. Like they don't really necessarily need to lose a whole bunch of weight or to hike a mountain or whatever. And we'll just work on general conditioning. Okay. Let's just get you into a routine of movement and not just a routine, but let's work together to make sure you have a workout routine. Seven to eight times out of 10, you really enjoy. We have to find a way 
for you to enjoy what we're, what you're doing, because if you don't overall enjoy it long-term, those habits are really hard to stick just because of what you just said. So I work with my clients really uniquely to find out specifically what they enjoy at the end of the day, it's always going to involve for me some form of resistance training. It's always about building muscle with my brand and my, my body and my clients' bodies. We've always just got to build muscle and burn more fat and be stronger because long-term, that's the healthiest thing for your body. On a cellular level, the more resistance training you have, you know, the better you age, the stronger you are going into your older years, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the results and benefits are, are limitless. But um, the other side of it is then once they start to get that stuff formed, they're more curious of what their capabilities are. And so we set these incremental, hey, what do you think about like four months from now trying to do this 5K? Or, hey, what do you think, you know, you know, and even it can be sidebar conversations. Like, what are you up to this weekend? Or what are you going to, what's, what are your big goals this summer? Do you have any plans or any trips or anything? I'm like, well, you know, I kind of wanted to take this like kayaking trip, but I just don't know if I have the upper body strength and endurance to kayak like 15, 20 miles a day for four days. Well, you know what? I tell them like, why don't we train for that? And then we start to build in these self-actualized goals. Like maybe she didn't realize that that was actually something she wanted to achieve and was paranoid she couldn't do. And so as a result, she was holding herself back from doing it. So let's start to train for that. I've got another girl who wants to be able to carry her canoe up by like, the, I don't know the, t- the proper terminology of it, but this was pre-COVID. The way that we were testing her milestones with her fitness was how much easier it got every two weeks for her to manipulate her canoe overhead and then like rack it onto her car. Um, and just seeing how, you know, from day one, you struggle to get it up to day, you know, six weeks later, you've got the leg strength and the core strength and the upper body strength to actually do these things in your day-to-day life that were really hard previously. So I still try with what I do to like help my clients actualize dreams that they didn't know that they had. So like, how can we build in some milestones? Because when you start to see your strengths and your body and your physique and and all this stuff changing in these milestones, it's, it's a, it's a four, it's a, it's a very rewarding, like, positive reinforcing behavior cycle that you're getting into. Mm -hmm. And the more that you can stay in that cycle, just the more reinforcement you have that what you're doing is good and right. I'm using air quotes. And then you'll just keep doing that. And that's what we need when it comes to creating a routine and something that we actually want to stick to. So, um, and that can be really fun for a lot of clients, but then we also take times in which we just take a break from having a goal and just move to move and experiment with our bodies and, you know, try fun things to see what they're capable of. Um, but yeah, that's a really fun, like playful side of stuff for me too. I really enjoy that with my, with my folks. I feel like that goal setting is super important, not not just because, A, if you do complete the goal, the satisfaction of that alone um, is going to be pos- you know, a positive impact on your, on your mental health, just knowing that you completed something, A. Um, B, you get the benefit of whatever it was you wanted to do. So you know, your client who was trying to lift her canoe, um, now she can do that. So there's, there's an actual achieved um, goal that she can 
she could now participate in whatever she wanted to do. Um, but C, also, if you don't complete your goal, you're still better off. You know, maybe maybe you can't do the four-day kayaking trip you wanted to do, but maybe now you can can move your kayak by yourself. And so now you can start kayaking in order to get to that goal maybe next year. You know, there's still, you're not going to come out of it. It's not a, it's not a win or lose. I didn't complete my goal. So I've, I just wasted all that time. Um, right. You know, you didn't complete the goal, but maybe you completed 80% of what you needed to do. And now you're 80% better than you were. You know, I think there's a saying though, I'm going to misquote it because I don't know it, but I'm sure it goes something along the lines of, even if you don't get to the destination, no one ever regrets the journey. You know, you're not, you don't ever, chances are you're not going to regret doing something just because you didn't arrive where you thought you were going to be, because you're going to learn so much along the way about yourself and have so many unique experiences that you wouldn't have had that that makes it worth it. You know, my, my, my girls that come to me and they say they want to be able to lead climb with no takes, you know, uh, 5.11 something, you know, in, in two months. And that's why we change up our programming. COVID can jump in and they can not actualize that in the timeline that they had initially desired, but it doesn't mean that they didn't generate enormous strength physically and mentally by trying to train for that goal. So, you know, um, I'm trying to think of like what goals I have right now. I think for me and, you know, my boyfriend, he's got these goals on his buddies right now. Cause they're all playing, they're all training for like elk season and elk season's not till September. So it's like way ahead of the curve, but they're compulsive. So, um, but they're like strapping backpacks on their backs and like running up the sides of like mountains right now. And so I've kind of gotten caught up in the hub love of it. And I'm doing a lot more like trail running up incline hills just mm-hmm. so that I can, just so I can pack out meat. You know, I'm, I have a lot of hunting trips planned in the, in later this year and I need to be able to, you know, continue to pack out my meat and pack in gear and pack out gear. And there's a lot of, um, success and, um, pride that I have when I can hunt and harvest and then pack out my own animal be completely self-sustainable it's it is i there are there are very few words and like ways i can describe what that feels like and um hunting has 110 percent reframed my personal approach to my body and my and my health and and so have things like camping alone you know obviously i have a boyfriend now so i I camp alone less frequently but i absolutely love camping and fishing you know at seven thousand feet by myself for four days and it's really important to me that i can scale down a steep ravine safely and get up out of it and using my hands and my legs and my core and not not just struggle through it but safely be able to get in and out when I'm you know outside of self-service miles away from anyone and by myself with my dog like it's it's really important that our bodies can perform for us if we're going to be doing that kind of stuff not just for our own peace of mind it's almost a social responsibility for us to go put ourselves in those situations that we can potentially endanger ourselves and then have to call in search and rescue and endanger volunteers to come get us out. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a real uh, irresponsible thing to do. So if I'm going to be doing that, I need to take my, you know, supplies pre- preparation seriously as well as the physical. And, and I, I feel the same way 
for my clients. I, I want my clients to be getting in and out of situations that they are safe and competent to handle. This this is kind of a, a side tangent, but it's something that I kind of wanted to bring up. I was going to bring it up later, but I think this is a good time based on what you just said. But um, I think that there that is a, kind of an understated quality, have, you know, basically being completely self-sufficient and knowing that you have put in the work to be as efficient and safe and strong as you can be um, just beyond the I, you know, I want to be able to hike up this faster or um, I, I want to make it to this destination just just for the sake of it. Um, but like you said, I, I like to go on one or two um, solo camping trips a year too, partially just to um, acknowledge that I, I'm brave enough to do it. Because like you said, as, as a woman camping alone, it's, it can be scary. And I like to put myself in that scary situation to prove to myself that I can do it and to train myself with that fear because I know it's, it's mostly an irrational fear. But in doing so, I need to feel like I've prepared myself well enough to do it that I'm not going to need to call for help or get myself in a sticky situation. And um, it, it brought me to the topic that I, I wanted to touch on later. But, uh, and that's just self-discipline. Uh, I feel like that has been, uh, it's, it's come to light, I think, a little bit more since coronavirus hit because mm-hmm. people have seemed to either go one of two ways. They're either like, this is my time. I've got time now. I should work on myself. I should use this time um, to put in work and better myself. And then the other, the other group is I, I should take this time to take care of myself, um, but in a different way. In a like, it's okay if I, if I want to mm. sit down and binge watch Netflix because this is a hard time. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, place judgment on either of these these groups because you know things are so up in the air right now people are in different situations um but i feel like the idea of self-discipline right now is something that needs to be you know considered by a lot of people um what happens when shit hits the fan and you need to take care of yourself i think having the skills to face situations whether it's camping alone or um, I've got all this time now and I don't know what to do with it. Uh, just having a little bit of self-discipline. I saw, I, did you see the, the, um, push-up challenge that was going on recently on Instagram where people were, you know, challenging each other to do 10 push-ups? I think I participated that in that early on. Yes. So I didn't really know how to feel about it. I, I didn't, you know, get, um, requested to do it or anything, but, uh, so I saw someone complaining that, they were upset about it because they weren't able to do a push-up and it was they didn't like that they were seeing other people doing it because it made them self-conscious about not being able to do a push-up and my reaction to that was well why don't you work toward that then like use that as motivation to do one um i mean there are like 900 different variations on how to do a push-up sure that that too (laughs) I, i mean i mean like go off an elevated bench where your hands are like on the side of, of, I mean, you can do, you can do a push up against a wall and still start to progress towards that push up. You know, I mean, so obviously someone was triggered about their own inadequacies and also probably felt shameful of their lack of framework or whatever it is to help them get what they want. You know, when we aren't satisfied with our abilities and we see someone else doing something, it's really easy to project our shit onto someone else. And, you know, that's unfortunate, but it is what the name of the game is for some people. And on the other hand, you know, there are so many resources and stuff available that if someone really wants to do something, there are so many ways like to do it, 
my whole thing is tearing down the facade that fitness and nutrition is time consuming and complicated. I'm also all about tearing down the facade that it's hard and there's always a way to start something and you don't know until you do it. And just to kind of jump back on that thing that you said with the two classes of people right now in self-resiliency and like self-discipline, you know, I definitely don't want to pass any judgment either because this COVID quarantine time has not been the time in which I pull out, you know, another side hustle, like all the memes right. are where it's right. like, if you don't have a side hustle after, you know, COVID, are you even serious about what you want? I mean, this has been a very, you know, very insane time for a lot of people on a lot of levels. And right now may not be the time to burn the candle at both ends and create a side hustle or, for you know, sure. for you sure. know start trail running 50 miles a week. But it is a good time, like you said, one, to really take care of ourselves and really take care of our bodies. We're less busy than we've ever been because we're not driving, we're not commuting, we're not having all these extra responsibilities in our days. We have the time right now to care for our bodies and to move our bodies and to fuel our bodies with food. And there are resources available and you can find access to food to make sure that you can provide yourself with that food. And there are resources available for people that are struggling with food and and procuring those things right now. So um, the self-discipline side of it and the self-reliancy, I, you know, last year, I was super, super single. Like I'd been like really single for about two, <laughs> two, three years, uh, two years. And I was like, you know, the year preceding, summer preceding last, I didn't do a lot of stuff. I did some stuff. I would fish alone and do all that stuff, but I wasn't like really pushing the, the boundaries of my explorations. You know, as an entrepreneur, I have a fairly flexible schedule. I can set my own hours for the most part outside of my client appointments. And so I found myself with like a lot of three and four day weekends. And because I was single and not all of my friends had as much flexibility, I decided last year, I was like, you know what, this is, this is bullshit. Like I want to do these things. I want to, I want to hike. I want to camp. I want to travel. I want to explore. And if the only thing holding me back is not having someone to go with, I'm not going to do that anymore. And that's also the reason why I traveled around the world by myself when I was 19. I've always kind of been like that, but I'd forgotten about it for a while. Last year, I probably spent every other week for about four months. I was camping about six to 10 days a month for about four months. 95% of it was by myself. And my dog, which was basically not by myself. Um, and it was remarkable. It was beautiful. There's a, a really, there's a lot to be said about being on your own time and being on your own agenda and waking up when you want to wake up and leaving a fishing spot when you want to leave it and mm. staying as long as you want to stay. And not, not being tied down to, to somebody. You don't have to ask anybody like, do you want to move to the next spot? What do you want for lunch? Do you want to stop for lunch? Do you need water? What do you need out of my pack? It's super liberating. It's amazing. (laughs) It was amazing. I had, um, you know, I had, I had some incredible, incredible fishing trips last year and I am chomping at the bit to get back out um, this year. It's been a little bit slow because I have been trying to be really respectful of like local water over the last mm-hmm. month with COVID going on. Um, but, and with the time of the year, everything has been kind of like, everything's frozen over a pie anyways. 
But learning how to do that on my own, take care of myself in the wilderness, be uh, at 7,000 feet with no cell service and, you know, having to cook my own, find my own water, you know, carry my own gun, take care of my own fishing stuff. I was always practicing catch and release last year. I haven't really practiced a ton of like catch and keep because um, I haven't needed to when I'm on the water. But you really develop a deeper sense, especially as a woman, I find. I don't know. I'm not trying to just speak to women, but for me, it really helped me develop my confidence in the outdoors and um the ability to face like kind of sketchy and scary situations like when I thought there were bears outside the car and like what am I gonna do at seven thousand I was like eight thousand feet seven five or something in Wyoming by myself in this one area and I had been fishing just this beautiful glacial stream for a day and a half and just like um western slope uh cutthroats just gorgeous 18 inch fish all of them all of them all of them just beautiful fishing like a day I'll never forget and I'm car camping that night and I've got the dog and I like to bring my Netflix and like on my iPad and maybe like watch a show as I'm going to bed mm. you know with the sun setting because when you're camping alone it does get a little lonely in those down hours you also realize and how much extra time you have because you get back to the tent and you're like well I ate it's like six like now what do I do yeah. for the next couple yeah. hours until I can fall asleep? I've got a book, yeah. but that's gonna, I'm going to get bored after an hour and then I'm just sitting here. <laughs> yep. So girl, you know, I was like in the back of my forerunner with the, with the tailgate up, my twinkle lights on my, like, sometimes I'll give myself like a facial. I'll like clean my skin, <laughs> watch a big old Netflix, drink a beer and just literally have the time of my life and doing that over and over and over again showed me first and foremost that I was physically emotionally spiritually mentally capable of doing that and that's a confidence that carries through all areas of your life yes I agree um, all areas and you know it was late last year that I actually last last fall was the first time I started hunting I just started hunting um and that kind of adds a whole other layer into this self-discipline, self-reliancy. And I'm experiencing that tenfold now because we aren't buying meat and, you know, what's going on right now and with the supply chains, there's not a lot of pro of meat available. And so we've been just eating our own meat, you know, my boyfriend hunts and I hunt, but I will mention right now, he didn't take animals last year. So primarily my meat is the only meat in the freezer. Not tooting my own horn, but a little toot of my just own a, horn. Just a little toot. Me, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes me kind of feel good. It no, it does. Me. I agree. I mean, like most of the meat that's in the freezer is mine. Um, and I don't take that lightly. I mean, hunting is a huge, a huge different thing. But with COVID and everything that's going on, it feels really good to know that I can provide the meat from my house and myself and my, and my family, my boyfriend. And as a result of COVID starting up a couple, about five, four weeks ago, we started our own produce gardens. And so we're actually growing produce now as well, because we're just like, well, I'm just going to go full blown hunter gatherer here. And, you know, 
not have to rely on the supply chain demands that is already, you know, stressed. And I, you know, we want to eat healthy. Mm-hmm. We like, we like green smoothies. We like salads and we like fresh produce. And with, with us going to the stores less frequently because of safety concerns, how can we get that produce in the house? Grow it. Right. So we started growing it. And I know we've gotten a bit off the, like the physical That's side huge- and, tangent oh no no i i I think it i think it's really relevant because i know we've gotten off the the fitness specifically and we'll get back onto that but that goes hand in hand the the idea of your program which is you know being as good as you can be for the things you want to do that's just like a a microcosm of being self-sufficient in general you know i if you want to hike to the top of the mountain that's still you relying on your power like no one else can get you to the top of that mountain um, if you want to wait in the wait across the river and it's, you know, it requires s- strong legs, no one else is going to carry you across that river. You need to do it. And I think that's just a, you know, a small portion of like what you're talking about. We, we've been feeling the same thing. We've got two deer in the freezer and it feels really nice to know that if all the meat were gone from the store tomorrow, we'd be okay. And we've got a garden right. going. And I think the, the type of personality who wants to, you know, for example, you don't need to be in peak physical condition to go fishing anyone can go out and cast a line um yes but if you want to be your best while doing that um it's going to be easier if you've put in the work to be at your at your you know peak physical condition um and it's the same way now you know if yes most people will fare through this coronavirus just fine um that's why we have protections in place to help people when they're struggling and like you said earlier i'm not here to pass judgment on anyone who's struggling right now because these are you know unprecedented times and not everyone has been afforded the same privileges that we have um but that said there's also a a way to prepare for things like this um when things go south having having things prepared and being um you know knowing that you can count on yourself to take care of yourself is a very um comforting feeling and i think that that goes hand in hand with just keep taking care of yourself physically um it it kind of permeates your whole life and the mindset you, know, you get it, from it 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 really does and it it is more than just this is when you were talking about this it reminded me of um an extension i wanted to make on that you know i was explaining to you all the trips i had last year and what is really common for a lot of people is we make these strides, you know, we start to gain this momentum. Okay. I'm going to start working out a little bit more consistently. I'm going to start incorporating some smoothies or some more fresh produce into my days. I'm going to, I'm going to make these X, Y, Z changes and being who we are us adventuring folk here comes Thursday, Friday, we're out summer season. Okay. Next week, Thursday, Friday, we're out. So what I just said was I camped, backcountry for around an average of 10 days a month every about four or five months last year if I hadn't figured out how to take my health on the road with me what what happens is what happens with a lot of people you you get on track quote unquote you know you start to do the movement you start to do the eating Monday through Thursday Friday comes around, you're on the river, you're drinking cases of beer, you've got shitty food. Stopping at Wendy's on the way. You're just, you're just, you're just dropping all the stuff that you just did. And then you go back on Monday, you do it again for another four days, again, another trip out the window. So that is what holds a lot of people back from ever taking the initiative or the start. They're like, well, how is this going to work? And people don't see the end because it's so far away. When what we want to look at is, what are some really simple strategies that you can do on a daily basis with your nutrition that 
surprise, I'll tell you the secret, they correlate really well on the road. I, it's one of the things that I love teaching my clients is, okay, what can we do comprehensively with your nutrition that is sustainable long-term? And that's very unique per person because it's going to look unique to you and your lifestyle. But if what you're doing Monday through Thursday cannot carry over Friday through Sunday, it will not work long-term because you'll just start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, which is exhausting. It's ineffective. It's time-consuming. It's complicated. And it costs a lot of money. People don't like it. You're not going to do it. So the ultimate goal is what can you do Monday through Sunday? You can have a couple glasses of wine. You can have a couple beers. You can have, you know, hard seltzers on the river. Um, You can find these staple meals for like breakfast and lunch that you can pack up in a cooler and take on your road trip with you and have so that you're not spending a ton of money eating out so that you're not eating a whole bunch of shitty food. That's also going to make you feel bad when you're hiking five, six, eight miles a day fishing or, you know, hiking for an Alpine Lake. You know, we've got to think about how can we sustain this active lifestyle for me and for my clients, our bodies and our workouts and our nutrition here in the city are for the purpose of making sure that we can adventure as long and as hard for years and years and years and years and years. And if we want to do that health, healthfully without diseases and injuries and, and ailments to our bodies, we have to find a way for it to be seamless, not seamless. That's a bad use of words. Uh, we have to find a way for it to transition and carry over from Monday to Thursday into Friday through Sunday month in and month out. It doesn't mean it's always going to be perfect and it's always going to be the same over and over and over, but we've got to find those daily non-negotiables and those weekly goals with our nutrition that it's common sense. Okay. You like breakfast of eggs and some bacon and maybe some tomatoes and like lettuce and some guacamole. So all last summer, my breakfast that I prepped on the road was the same thing I had in the house. So I would literally just buy extra and take it on the road. I had a butter lettuce, a whole bunch of hard boiled eggs, a whole bunch of turkey bacon, a whole bunch of sliced tomatoes and guacamole. So I'm having these like protein vegetable lettuce wraps every morning for breakfast when I'm on, on in the back country, because I don't cook a ton when I'm by myself. Like I'm not going to fire up the Coleman every time I want to meal. It's such a pain in the butt. So, you know, Otherwise, what are, what are you eating? You're eating like breakfast burritos, which are nothing, there's nothing wrong with them if you, if you prepare them yourself and kind of put your ingredients in them. So what I'm trying to say in a very long-winded <laughs> half, half a beer, <laughs> half a beer route is we, 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 we think in tunnel vision and we think, well, how can I be healthy on the road? How can I be healthy in the back country? How can I be healthy when I'm in a car on a, on a four day car trip, road trip? Like there are so many ways that you can carry over the healthy habits you have at home in the house. You can carry them into your office when we go back out of our stay at home orders and you can carry them into the car and into the back country. It does take a little bit of planning. It does take some forethought and foresight, but at the end of the day, you're going to be able to adventure more because you're going to save money. You're going to be able to adventure longer and harder because you're going to be healthier and you're going to offset the expenses of what you're doing by just preparing a little bit. You know, it's basically like food prep while, while you're in the back country. So, um, I wanted to make sure I didn't forget that. Cause that's a big one of like how, 
why does this matter? If we can't figure out a way to make this work in our quote unquote adventure life, all the time in the gym here and all the food prep and work that we do on our nutrition, if it just goes down the drain every time we're in the back country and we're in the back country, you know, two, three times a month for a couple of days each time, like we're, we're just spinning our wheels. Right. And especially when that's the time that really matters the most in terms of fueling yourself. You know, if you're eating healthy during the week because you're like, oh, I really want to be good at hiking. And then when you go hiking, you're like, well, I got to stop at I got to stop at McDonald's on the way because I'm out of time. And then all I'm going to eat on the trail is a handful of like sugar granola bars. And like if, if that's what you're working toward, why are you not fueling for that while you're while you're out there? Um, if that's the whole goal. But do you, I know you you mentioned this and I was really excited to to talk to you about this because this is something that I've struggled with. I'm I'm fairly good about staying on track um, when I'm home and I'm not I'm not the type that eats like a bad meal and then thinks like, well, I'm off track. So like it's all lost. Like I'll, I'll, I'm pretty good about putting myself back on track when I've had to veer off. And, and that happens, you know, like maybe you are on the road and you ran out of time because you had to stay late at work or something like it. You know, it's not all or nothing. If you if you miss a meal, you just get back on track with the next one. But with a little forethought, that should only happen, you know, once or twice at a time, not the entire weekend. Like you said, most of us are going for an entire weekend and it's a predictable thing. Every, you know, Thursday or Friday we're driving out, every Sunday we're coming back. So it's one thing if you have to miss that meal that night, but you can still plan for the rest of the weekend. So do you have any tips on on how to prepare some generally healthy meals that are pretty easy to take on the road? Yeah. So um, I'll dig back into what I predominantly did all of last summer. And as a result, I've encouraged a lot of my clients with very similar lifestyles to explore these same eating frameworks and ideas. You know, so first and foremost, what you one thing you mentioned is like when you quote unquote kind of, you know, you, you, you're throwing a curveball is what I call it. You're working late and you weren't expected to work late. So you're going to miss a meal. Um, one of the first things I work with my clients is we anticipate roadblocks. We anticipate a curveball. And instead of being caught by surprise, we take two seconds to look at our calendar and we know that our kid or our partner has a potential conflict one or two evenings a week in which we could be thrown a curveball and not have time to prepare a meal. Mm-hmm. In those situations, what's your go-to? We need to have a strategy pre-built in place of, I'm going to have some curveballs this week, or I'm going to have some curveballs this weekend because the weather's bad and we're going to be in the back country. I'm not sure I'm going to have time for X, Y, Z. And then we're going to start to build in like two to five meals that are your defaults, you know, and my defaults are required to be a few things. They need to be from start to finish, meaning prep to eating. They need to be done in 10 to 20 minutes max. You need to have quick results, quick mm-hmm. intake of food. It needs to be highly satisfying. If, if it's not highly satisfying, we're going to find ourselves unhappy with it and probably just snack on a whole bunch of shit afterwards and it's going to defeat the purpose. And then two, it needs to be chock full of protein and good carbs. So for a lot of my clients, I recommend that they keep like a, a multitude of things frozen in the freezer throughout the week so that you can have you know, frozen shrimp thawed with like a, a couscous multi-grain vegetable blend thawed and cooked and done and under your belly within 15 minutes. So you're hitting the protein, you're hitting some good carbs, you're hitting some good vegetables. Is it 110% perfect? No, but it's a lot better than snacking on a whole bunch of cheese or eating a half a bag of popcorn or, you know, drinking two glasses of wine and eating a granola bar because you didn't have anything else to do. Mm-hmm. So 
in terms of, of preventative measures throughout the week, definitely look ahead, plan ahead, anticipate a roadblock, plan for it, and just have a plan in place like that. And eventually it will become instinctive so that you can just like default to it. In terms of eating on the road, I already mentioned my breakfast. Like I'm a huge, easy breakfast person. Um, the prep side of that is easy too. Hard boil six eggs, take them on the road with you, cook up a whole bunch of turkey bacon, take it on the road with you, a, hot, a head of butter lettuce, a whole bunch of guacamole that you can also use for some chips and salsa and dip. And then, um, you know, tomatoes or anything else that packs really well, it handles very well, stores very well, and you can just re, re, um, you can reuse it really easily very easy to construct that breakfast. So I like those for breakfast when I'm camping. And I'll also take like a really low sugar, high protein, you know, 15, 20 grams of like a Greek yogurt, individual Greek yogurts. Between those things, you're getting a pretty good breakfast um, depending on the activities for the day. This is just like a general fishing day, not a ton of hiking or cardio. I'll caveat this with that. Um, and then I drink a lot of spiked seltzers on the river. <laughs> My preferences are um, Crook and Marker and um, Snowmelt. So those are really good. Crook and Marker actually uses like whole grains and millet. And so their, their hard seltzers actually have protein in them <laughs> in like organic alcohol. And so they're pretty bougie in that regard, but it's a really nice way to consume alcohol and still be conscientious of your health. I mean, I'll put, I'll put a whole, you know, 16 of those down in a four day fishing trip easy when I'm out there by myself, even I've got no shame in that hard seltzer river game at all. Um, you know, and then another thing that I usually do for breakfast and dinner, breakfast and or lunch is I already mentioned this, I'll make burritos. So make my, I'll go get like a whole wheat tortilla, get some breakfast potatoes, make them up in the, in the skillet. Obviously those are really good carbs, add in some peppers and then go to my protein source and some eggs and I'll wrap my burritos in foil and make five or six of them, wrap them up really tight, put them in a Ziploc bag individually with foil. Now, in order to reheat those, you can honestly do super ghetto reheat and put them on the dash. And so the glass like warms them up. If you're driving for 20, 30 minutes, if you're driving for a while, like reheat your burrito on the dash, turn the heat on too. Um, or you can just throw it in the Ziploc bag in boiling water on a jet boil. So those are my favorite breakfast and lunches. And then for dinner, it's usually a leftover or um, I'll do burgers with the butter lettuce and the tomatoes, guacamole, and just do burgers or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think about some other stuff that I did a lot of last year. And for some reason, I'm drawing a blank. Um, ooh, oh, my favorite, my favorite, favorite, favorite. People overlook it all the time. And for a while, there were a lot of photos of me in like a bikini top or like a sports bra in the middle of the back country or hunting with just a bag of salad. So those pre-made salad kits, I'm a huge fan of taking one or two of those on a trip and breaking them up into two or three meals. And what I'll also do then is bring um, two or three packages of pre-cooked smoked salmon from the grocery store. Oh yeah, I've been liking that too. So pre-cooked grocery, pre-cooked salmon, a big thing of salad, a hard boiled egg in the salad, 
slices of turkey bacon in the salad, tomatoes. I mean, you can beef up that salad to be 500 calories. Add some pre-cooked couscous into it. I'm a big fan of vegetables and protein and meat on in the back country on the river all day. And those are really easy to transport. You buy the bag of salad. You don't have to do any prep, throw it in the cooler. When you get to where you want to go, have a piece of, have a Tupperware and a plate, portion out half of it and then save the rest of it and just eat it on the plate itself. Um, and then some of my favorite like snacks that can sometimes, um, stand in with that salad salmon dinner are going to be like charcuterie. So you think about charcuterie on the road. So big things of lunch meat that are, there's a brand of lunch meat called simplicity that doesn't have any preservatives. It doesn't have any sugar. So a whole bunch of lunch meat, some charcuterie meats like uh, salami, et cetera, et cetera. And then little snackable cheeses. Again, we're going for high protein and like high, higher good fat because it's going to help you feel satiated. And those are actually really good balances of calories as well. When you're just really active on a river all day, I would say that what I just went through is about 70% of my overall food cooler. When I, when I go out and I know I got my clients really hooked on a lot of those things too, because once you start doing them, you see how easy it is to do that. You see how easy it is to eat a fresh, delicious salad in the back country with a whole bunch of grains and proteins and like, and you don't feel like crap afterwards. Oh, it's a game changer. I think it's important to say too, I know that you've been mostly talking about things that you can carry in a cooler. Like if you're, if you're probably car camping. Um, and have access mm-hmm. to the cooler but a lot of things are surprisingly stable if you take them backpacking too like obviously that some things are out like there, there's some things that you're just not gonna be able to carry for a week and have them survive but yeah. there's a lot of things that are surprisingly stable like I, I get the little baby bell cheeses that have the wax yep. on them and we'll take those on three or four day trips and we'll still eat them after three or four days they might be a little slimy and warm but they're fine um and, and the same with hard, I mean, this, sorry, I didn't mean to jump in, but the same with hard boiled eggs, the same with turkey bacon. And or when, salami, you know, hard, hard salami too. Like A huge portion of the backcountry time in Colorado, you can get up high and access cold water and snow. So if you're concerned about something perishable, if you put it in a plastic bag and pull it out when you get to camp and put it in, you know, a freezing glacial lake mm-hmm. or in a, you know, a snow bank, you can keep it colder longer. And if you're doing a three-day trip, that'll keep stuff fresh for three days. And then if you're doing a seven-day trip, front load the perishables for the first three to four days and then back load, you know, two or three days of freeze-dried. When it comes to freeze-dried, I'm a huge fan of peak refuel. Peak refuel is all organic, um, all natural meats and produce and vegetables. They're one of the only companies that I have found that has high, 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 high protein content in their meals and very, very, very clean. Um, In terms of like Mountain House and Backpackers Pantry, the protein content doesn't compare and the fat is a lot more manageable. I'm getting to knitting gritty long story short. I don't get any endorsements from peak refuel, but huge shout out. They are really, really good with the nutrition that they're providing to quote unquote athletes in the back country. They really do specialize on athletic performance in the back country and in the wilderness. And that food is really good for that too. We also have some complaints. I, I don't know about peak refuels calorie content, but we have some complaints about mountain houses calorie content. You know, if we're hiking 10 miles a day and then we'll open up a meal that says it's for two and it has a total of 400 calories in it and i'm like i don't understand how you know like when you're at home you're you know you're like oh this has way too many calories this is just a you know pasta cheesy nightmare and then you get a mountain house and it's 
you know, mac and cheese that's got 400 calories. And I think it's a lot of it's because, you know, fat doesn't dehydrate well. At least that's mm-hmm. what I've been under the impression of. Um, so you're kind of missing out. A lot of things are pretty lean um, and you're not getting that fat with and getting the calories from it. But um, a lot of times we're trying to supplement by putting, you know, we'll bring a packet of tuna or something and dump it in because we're trying to add on to it's the one time you actually do want a ton of calories when you're burning that many calories. And that's been one of our big complaints about um, some of the freeze-dried meals is they just don't have as many calories as you want from a from a whole meal. Tuna packets. I'm glad you mentioned those. Those are a really, really good alternate uh, option to have in the backcountry as well. With Peak Refuel, their calories, I mean, we're in the middle of figuring this all out right now because we he has to he does a 10-day elk camp. And so we've got to, he's got to buy, we've got to buy, and we're using it for that country. We've got to buy a lot of this stuff for the coming months mm. and all of the, uh, freeze-dried foods are sold out because a lot of the doomsday preppers, yeah, the preppers. <laughs> have gone in and completely <laughs> depleted their stock and their inventory. And so elk season six months out, people are already really concerned about getting the stuff so that they have it for six months because they have to have it. They, they literally cannot do it. So we started doing the numbers of uh, compared to mountain house and peak refuel and you can get more food, higher calories, cleaner, cleaner product um, for a little bit less money. And I'm a, you don't have to twist my arm on that one. So, cause he was, it's the same thing with the calories when he's thinking about out camp and there, you know, you're hiking 10, 15 miles a day and packing out, you know, a hundred pound animal on your back or a hundred pound quarter, you've got to have calories and you need to be able to access that fuel. Um, and if you're having to eat three packets of food to recoup your calories, you're just going to have to carry so much food and it's just not going to be, it's not going to be feasible. Mm-hmm. So huge shout out to peak refuel <laughs> yeah, i'll check them out I've, I've heard of them but i've never i think i've eaten mountain house backpackers pantry and maybe one other um and all of them have been you know like i i don't hate them as much as some people do some people you know they re- they refuse to ever eat another freeze-dried meal and i'm not to that point yet um but maybe it's because i i do eat a lot of other things when i hike i yes. tend to only eat them for dinner um and just because i want to be able to just heat up water and not worry about it i don't want to have to do much when i get back to camp and just heating up the water and putting it in is is about as much as I want to do. But for breakfast and lunch, I'm mostly just snacking. Uh, and like you said, I like um, bringing some fresh things for the front of the trip because most of my trips are under three or four days. You know, most of them are a weekend trip. Um, and I'll bring fresh fruit. You know, it's it's not too much to carry when you don't actually have seven days worth of food. If you're only carrying two or three days worth of food, you can pack fresh foods, fresh vegetables and fruits and meats because it's not going to go bad in the one or two days before you're you're back at your car. So. I really like that idea of of not just thinking while well, I'm in the backcountry I have to have freeze dried. Um, you don't freeze dried is what you need when all the fresh foods or fresh foods won't have lasted. You know that's when that really yeah. kicks in. But for the first couple of days, which is most people's trips, are especially for fishing, just a couple of days. You know, pack some fresh foods or at least bring some additions to those to those freeze dried. You can get the dehydrated vegetables or like we mentioned the tuna packets. You can throw a glob of you know oil in there bring some olive oil and throw it in there just like something to add a little more flavor and calories and good fats and things like that to those meals 100 percent. and i i mean last year i'm sold about car camping (laughs) (laughs) i mean i can i can i can i can park at the trailhead and do a short hike to an alpine lake or i can hike i can park you know on the basin of of a 
remote glacial stream and fish it by myself for two days um with that comes extreme amounts of convenience of a cooler i've never eaten i've never eaten so good in the backcountry and even doing like long day trips into alpine lakes i mean if you've got a cooler at base camp it's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer um i i usually i have a 45 liter arctic that serves me really well for about i can do four or five days with a fair amount of alcohol and food in there. Um, sometimes I have to resupply the alcohol more than the food. The I sound like an alcohol. <laughs> I mean, like you, you know, you're. Uh, I mean, when I'm in Wyoming, I'm fishing from, um, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning, depending on how cold it is. You know, nine o'clock in the morning, I'll fish till six o'clock, seven o'clock every day. So I can put a good six I can put some I can put some seltzers down on that river it's it's oh man that's heaven you know I think that's an important point too is that um I'm glad that having talked to you more um there was a part of me and this maybe it came out in the email that we had earlier but you know there's some people that get so focused on you know what is the what is the right thing to put in your body that anything that is not in that rigid framework is is considered um almost blasphemous like wh- why would you do that and i think i i like the balance that you have of you know obviously generally alcohol is not a good thing for the body but there's a mental benefit to to having a couple of drinks when you're fishing like i really like fishing with a beer um mm. and i think the mental benefit i get from that supersedes you know the benefit of choosing an eight ounce glass of water instead of the beer um, would it physically be better for me? Probably to drink the water, but you know, there's, there's a benefit to having that, that comfort. And I think it's nice to have the balance of being able to recognize that I can enjoy this and still stay on track for whatever it is I'm trying to do, um, either via nutrition or, um, physical training or anything like that. You know, honestly, that's one of the factors as to why I think it's important for myself and my clients to find a way to maintain these baseline nutritional components. If you're maintaining, if you, if, if you think about that framework of nutrition, I gave you that I kind of go through when I'm in a back country and fishing for a day, if you're eating like that and fishing for 10 to 15, 10 to 12 hours a day and like camping, which is a lot of manual labor, mm. if you're having a, a couple hard seltzers, it, you're still going to be under caloric deficit. So that means you're not going to be coming out of every weekend having gained weight by overeating and then over drinking. So in a way, my balance is I'm going to drink when I fish. There is nothing more like American and soul fulfilling to me than Tom Petty on a dirt road with a hard, cold seltzer standing in the middle of the river. Like it literally melts my soul. That is so important to me to have. And one of the ways I offset that nutritionally is by eating lean and clean throughout the day. Keep it lean, keep it clean. Give yourself a lot of margin in your nutritional intake to have some hard seltzers. It's another reason why I moved to hard seltzers is because of the hydration factor. It is a little bit of like hard water, you know, it's bubble water in there. So it, so it helped me still know that I was kind of hydrating now let me sidebar this and say, I got 
real sick in Wyoming last year by drinking too much hard seltzers on the river and not drinking enough water. I was like, I'm drinking water. I'm drinking hard seltzer. I'm hydrating. And when I was fishing, floating all day and it was not the case. And so I, I, um, bring a, I really struggled with consuming enough water on the river. So I have a packable, uh, crushable Sawyer. And so it's really helped with, um, just consistent, rehydration. Um, I usually, every time I crack open a new beer or something, or if I'm switching out flies, I'll bend down and fill up the Sawyer, mm-hmm. slam half of it, you know, and when it's wet waiting season, it's really easy because you're not in gear. So you're not having to take your waiters off a ton to like go to the bathroom, especially as a girl. Oh, so. that's, yeah, that's a big, big problem. Someone, <laughs> some engineer needs to fix that. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> we need to make I mean, women like, friendly waiters. That's what we, that's what we want in waiters. <laughs> I mean, I have the Patagonias that come down in the back, but I mean, there's still, it's still such a pain to get in and out of gear. So, um, but thankfully, you know, we are on the shoulder season of wet waiting season. I usually start wet waiting in May, um, which is usually Almost a little there. early. It's a little early to do that. It's usually cold water, but um, if it means I can wear a pair of like Lululemon, like workout shorts and, you know, boots or chacos, and just have easier access to going to the bathroom when you're drinking a ton of water and hard, you know, hard seltzers on the river. It definitely, it definitely, um, it helps because I know a lot of people don't drink a lot of water when they fish because they don't want to have to get out of gear a ton. And it's not good to be that that dehydrated on, Mm. on a river in the sun and then also be drinking alcohol. We all know that we're adults. We need to be more careful with that For for sure. Yeah. We've all been there though. It's happened to everybody, yeah. myself included last year. It was great. It was really great. <laughs> but I caught some epic fish on that day and it was, you know, I was celebrating the epic fishing with a lot of hard seltzers and yeah. That'll happen. I didn't realize, I didn't realize how much higher up in elevation I was as well. And so, yeah, but that's okay. We all learn. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I kind of thought that this is where the conversation would start, but I've really liked where it's taken us so far. But do you want to kind of backtrack and just talk about your business and and the the way you approach kind of a I, I don't want to say fitness because I feel like that's just a small portion of what you focus on. I, I know you mentioned is it the three M's um, muscles, movement and mindset. Like and yeah. I think that's a good approach to take just because it. Isolating any one of those things isn't particularly useful to anybody if you're not working on the other ones. But um, do you want to talk about your business for a little bit and how you kind of focus on meeting your clients' needs in, in regards to people who want to be better for outdoor activities, like particularly fishing? Yeah. So um, obviously my business is, is it, the business name is called Find Your Strong with Sarah. And I came up with that name because I... I pride myself in my approach on empowering my clients to find their unique form of strength. And that is going to be very unique to them. Primarily, I do work with women and all of them lift weights. And so we're all about cultivating that strength and that muscle inside and outside. You know, with my clients in particular, um, I have a woman that I work with. She's a uh, 
let me, I have a woman that I work with. I'll say she's in the professional fly fishing industry. And some of the stuff that we work on um, is really unique to fishing and casting and rowing strength so that you have core strength and you have um, core stability and function and rotation and you have the upper body shoulder mobility to cast, you know, spay cast or, you know, large casting um, movements over and over and over and over and over if your livelihood depends on it. So we do a lot of functional rotational training and, and full body utilization skill building um is for lack of better words what i would say that how we do it um and you know most of my clients that are fishing they're rowing boats as well so we do work on a lot of counterbalance so a lot of rowing is a repetition so we've always got to work on front body movement and counterbalancing that repetition of movement in one direction um and most of the girls I work with that are really avid anglers are also really wanting stronger legs because they're athletic in other areas. I'd say 90% of the women that I work with that are really, really avid anglers are also trail runners or backpacking and hiking and or hunting. And so just as much as they want to be better and safer in the water, their legs need to be, our legs are our power force, our powerhouse. So the stronger and more functional our legs are, um, the better on the river and out of the river, up the hills. So, you know, my three M's blended together because people started coming, people came to me. And when, when they first started coming to me on my business, I said that the wrong way. Um, they just wanted bodies, like change my body, fix my body give me this, give me that. And we would always start to work on the body. I'm like, yeah, I got you. I can do workouts. I can, I can carve physiques. I can do the whole vanity, just change your body thing. We'd start carving these physiques and very, very quickly, all this other stuff started coming out with their nutrition and their self-worth and their, you know, their day-to-day lives. Like it was like peeling like an onion back. (laughs) And that's what happens when you start working with someone's body. The onion is going to pull away. And all these layers of complexity around an individual's health and fitness and mindset are going to be exposed. And if we do not nurture and train and focus on all those elements, the muscles, the movement, and the mindset, neither one will ever be what we want it to be. We'll never have the health we want if we don't have clarity around the health that we actually want and why we want that and what that means to us and what value that serves us in our life. So, you know, I take that approach with all of my clients. We get very, very clear on specifically what they want and why they want that and what they're willing to do to get there. And we work from the end backwards and incrementally progress them to that. And every time we get there, they always want more. They've achieved that goal and they're realizing that they're capable of so much more. And then we just keep going. So, um, I think I answered that. <laughs> at this point, at this point, I think I've had like almost a full beer. So that means I just I'm on finished a fairly, mine. I'm on a fairly empty <laughs> stomach, so I might be a little buzzed. <laughs> no, I think I think that's a good example too of what you mentioned. You mentioned it a couple times during the podcast, but you also mentioned it several times in the notes that that we sent back and forth before this. That your one of your like main beliefs is that if it's not sustainable, there's no point. You know, it it doesn't matter if you do eight hours of a workout in a day, if you're not going to continue to work at yourself um, over time in in small increments. And I I really like that idea um, because I think it's, 
it makes things seem more achievable. You know, if if you're told that you have to do a two-hour grueling workout every day, you're going to want to be done after day one. But if you're told that you can make progress by, a half, you know, going for a half-hour run every day and, hey, you get to do it on your terms, you get to go where you want and do it the way you want, then not only are you going to do that and be successful at it, but you're probably going to be motivated to do more um, versus being discouraged and saying, like, I didn't, you know, I didn't feel good during that. I, I failed before I finished and why, why would I even do that? Um, and I think having that, that whole mindset around it kind of plays along with that because if you're only working on sculpting your body, then if, you know, if that doesn't start to work right away, then you're like, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't get what I wanted. So why would I keep doing it? But if you're focusing on this whole lifestyle change in that I want to be the best person I can be, um, and focusing on the mindset and things like that, then maybe you do only go for a 15 minute run today because you're, you're super busy and you've got things on your calendar, but Hey, now I feel like I accomplished something and that means I can do it tomorrow. Maybe I can do it for five minutes longer than I did today. And I think that that sustainable model, um, you know, even if it takes longer to get to where you're going, at least you're going to get there. You know, I'm a big, I hate new year's resolutions. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an anti overhaul kind of girl. And what I want from myself and my clients is incremental improvements. And there's nothing wrong innately with who we are now. So we don't need to change everything. And we need to understand that. And it's important that we understand that before we get started. And off the bat, it's my job with my clients to tear down barriers for them. If they cannot see, if they want to lose 50 pounds and they've struggled to lose 10 for the past two years, you don't start off with that 50 pound goal because they can't see it. I'm, I'm showing you right now, like if your goal is here, you, you're literally so stuck, you cannot see it and not seeing it stops people from starting because your brain can literally not actualize that happening. It's so far from the reality. So it is my job to show them a more immediate reality, a more obtainable reality and tear down the barrier, make the workouts challenging yet successful for them so that they can um, as quickly as possible start to have positive reinforcement. They're not getting their asses torn down. They are feeling stronger. They're feeling tired and fatigued and hard worked, but they're feeling successful. They were able to do it because a professional is going to not destroy you. They're going to empower you through movement. They're going to push you to the edge but they're not going to dangerously push you over. They're going to take you to the edge and, and slowly start to build that. Wow. I can really do that. I can go that hard. I didn't know I could do that over and over and over again until you've now been able to, to actualize that goal that once was so far away. But it's like telling someone who's never run a quarter mile in four months, you're going to run a half marathon and you're going to do it in four hours. You know, you don't do that. You're going to go, okay, let's start incrementally. You know, the first month let's do, you know, let's work on some strength training. Let's work on some cardio. And by the end of this month, we're going to run, you know, two or three miles, you know, you, you do it slowly so that it doesn't scare people away. And that's why I don't believe in overhauls. I don't believe in extreme. I don't believe in time consuming and I don't believe in complicated because I've done them all. I've, I've showed people how to do them all in the past and everyone that's done all that shit 
it doesn't last. And so they're back at ground zero. And it's because we went for the sexy, we went for the hardcore, we went for the extreme, we went for keto, we went for CrossFit, we went for low carb, no carb. And they all fail us because they're not teaching us how to do something for 10 years. Yeah. And yeah, it drives me crazy. That stuff drives me crazy. But that's also what I love is like someone who doesn't think that they're capable of doing something. And for so long, they weren't able to be successful because they just didn't have the right framework. They didn't have the right guidance and the right coaching. Um, and it's really awesome to see that they're successful. And it's also another part of my job to help them actualize intrinsic versus external goals. So what's motivating you? Is it something deep within you or is it something societal, external? External motivation will fail us long-term because we are basically doing something to fulfill something outside of ourselves and we'll never be happy with that. And it's only when- There'll always be more expectations. Always, always. We're never gonna fulfill it. So um, that's why when someone does come to me and say, I wanna lose weight, I go, why? And they go, well, you know, I feel a little pudgy in my clothes. Okay, well, why does that bother you? Well, you know, my my dad has heart disease and I don't want to have heart disease. Okay, that's really important too. Why else does it bother you? Well, I just don't feel comfortable with my body anymore and I don't like my reflection. Well, why does that bother you? Well, I'm uncomfortable to get naked in front of my partner. And why does that bother you? Because it's affecting my sex life and my intimacy and I'm worried about losing my partner. That is more intrinsically motivating to anyone versus I want to lose 10 pounds because I feel fat. Right. Which one, when you're, when you're feeling knocked down, dragged out, like you want to quit, which one of those goals is going to pick you up off the ground and keep you going forward? I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to feel more confident and comfortable in my skin because my sexuality and my intimacy with my partner is on the line and, and, and that's important to me. And so Understanding that is the first step to taking action on a goal for anybody. And I love that. That's, that's, that's a really powerful thing for people to uncover for themselves. I think it's also um, like you could, you could look at situations and be confused off the bat, whether it's extrinsic or intrinsic. For example, in, in what you just said, you you could view that as an external motivator. Like, I want my partner to find me attractive. So you could say that that partner is the external factor. Mm. But at the end of the day, that is something that's so deeply important to you that it becomes intrinsic because that, you know, your partner, that's the most important person in your life. Like, you want, you want that person to want you. So it becomes a part of who you are. But if you're just saying, I want to lose 10 pounds to go to the beach and have people look at me, um, you're, you're not really you don't really care that much about that because you right. don't know any of these people. So although it sounds kind of like the same thing, like I want my partner to think I look good or I want these people on the beach to think I look good. Like, of course, one's going to have a much stronger impact on you. And I, I think that's where it almost becomes intrinsic, even though they both seem to start off in the same, coming from the same direction. Um, yep. I think that's the case with a, a lot of things. Um, just like the kind of the overarching theme of, our talk is that you, you want to be better outside. Like maybe, maybe that is, I don't want to hold up the group and you could say, well, that's an external factor because you know, the group should wait for me if, if they're really my friends. But at the same time, you want to, 
it's not that you want the group to not be mad at you for holding them back. It's like you want to feel like a part of the group. You want to feel yep. like you're keeping up. And it's not it's not your thoughts about whether the group's going to judge you. It's it's the satisfaction of knowing that you're a part of the group. And those are two. Yes. It's kind of the same thing, but it's the, the way you frame it and look at it. So much. It's so much. Well, it's so much deeper. And we've got to dig deep from the get-go with our goals because we will be challenged in your process, your journey of your health and your wellness, you're going to be challenged. You're going to face extreme hardships at some times. And sometimes you won't have as challenging of a journey. Everyone's journey is different. And if we aren't intimately intrinsically connected with why we're doing something, we will jeopardize doing it and we'll, we'll throw it away. And for a while, it's okay to throw things away. It happens to all of us. We've all thrown our stuff on the backside and the back burner, but when we're intrinsically connected with why something is important to us in terms of our body and our health, we will always come back to that because we cannot deny that to ourselves mm -hmm. forever. Awesome. Well, the, I guess the one last thing I want to talk about, I know we've been going for a while now, especially with our like 45 minutes of COVID before we started yes. recording. Um, <laughs> I do want to just ask if you have any um, either specific um, actual workouts for, for someone who wants to be better at either fishing or just getting in the backcountry because I know a lot of people, um, you know, fishing itself, you're just, you're standing there casting. It is a repetitive motion. So that in itself could have some, some specific exercises that might help, but also just getting back in the middle of nowhere um, takes a lot of physical fitness. So if you have any um, specific exercises that might be good for a backcountry outdoorsman in general or uh, an angler, or just any thoughts about kind of the balance of flexibility and strength and endurance and um, what are some good things to work on, um, even overarching in terms of like what, what you want to be good at to um, be the best you can be outdoors? Yeah, so that's a good question. A lot of what we want to rely on with our hiking and any kind of backcountry work, there's, a, there's some maybe 50% carryover to what we want to think about when we're in the river as well. Um, we want to work on unilateral, so unilateral and bilateral, so double and single leg lower body strength balance and stabilization. So you want to, when you're hiking, you're pushing off a single leg over and over and over again. So you need to train two leg squats and you need to train single leg squats and a lot of frontal plane and then lateral side to side plane. And in doing so, we want to develop strong muscles around our knee joints so that we've got more stabilization in our ankles as well. And you know, running the less risk of rolling and, and doing twists and aches and stuff like that. But also when we're hiking and when we're crossing a, a waist high swift river, like you have in Montana and Wyoming or higher, you need balance on one leg. <laughs> you need to be able to really have strength in your single legs. And so training two-legged movements, anytime you train lower body, you need to train double so like squats, deadlifts, um, RDLs, and you need to train the single. So single leg, Bulgarian split squats, lateral lunges, you know, pendulum lunges, front to back, side to side, um, and then elevating your lunges. So you've just got, I talked about this, like your legs are your power horse. Your, your legs and your glutes are going to propel you up a mountain, stable, more stable, more strong, faster than anything else. So you can never neglect your low body. So I'm a huge fan of low body. And then I'm a huge fan of glute training. So when we're doing hiking and backcountry work or trail running, we need to stabilize our glutes. Our glutes need to work in order to move our legs properly 
and fire in the backside of our bodies, our posterior chain, so that we don't destroy our knees and our ankles. So people that are doing like trail running or a lot of hiking, you know, things like clams and adductions and little glute toning exercises are really important because most of us are quad heavy and we don't utilize the posterior chain or backside of our bodies when we walk or when, when we run. So it's it, the backside of our bodies aren't as strong as the front. And that's natural because we have more muscle in the front side of our body. So we need to activate and develop those posterior chain muscles pre-exertion, especially for a while if you're just getting started. So clams and glute bridges and hip thrusts and um, you know, donkey kicks and fire hydrants and a lot of adduction and abduction of the glutes is really, really important. And for a lot of the girls that I have in the river, a really good core exercise, and it's good for running as well and for hiking. Um, I call them pull-off presses. I think if you Google them, they're called pull-off, P-A-L-L-O-F, pull-off presses and pull-off rotations. Um, those are some of the best core exercises in the world. They're also really incredible for pre-post-pregnancy women um, in your diastectus recti and your abdominals. Um, those are probably my favorite core and Everybody wants to get fancy with it, but some of the best things you can do for your core are planks and you need to work on stabilization. You know, you can get fancy, but at the end of the day, if you can't stabilize, you need to do planks. Um, and you can progress your planks from a normal plank to an extended plank where you've walked your hands out and you're more of a hollow hold. You can do plank touches where you're alternating your balance and challenging your core stabilization or leg lifts while you're in a plank so that you're challenging your base and your stability. Um, but I, I'm a big believer that people all just need to do more planks. <laughs> and if they're easy, you know, if they're easy, do them so that one arm and the opposite leg is lifted for, you know, 10, 20, 30 seconds, and then slowly lower and alternate that way. Um, but stabilization needs to be worked in. And then those pull-offs are really good for stabilization and rotational power as well, especially with the girls that are doing like a lot of rowing and casting. They need to work on these. I just had a, a girl that uh, is in the, in the industry and she'd been doing a lot of pull-offs and she had really noticed a lot of change in, in her core strength with them. So those are really good. Those are my faves. I'll have to look that one up. I haven't, I haven't done that one. I've been uh, so good. My newest core um, exercise that I've been doing is just a sandbag carry where I just like bear hug it and walk around and boy yep. that like gets your heart rate up too <laughs> those are hard those are hard I've got a woman who's uh, a, a first responder she's uh, also a firefighter um, in one of the mountain towns out here and we we had to do some sandbag workouts so that she could replicate carrying bodies <laughs> I mean, in an emergency situation and, and then carrying, uh, like welding, uh, fire hoses and stuff. So yeah, sandbags are really fun. <laughs> I've got a really unique, fun group of clients now that I <laughs> spew them out right here. It's really fun. It's really cool. Yeah. I'm sure you get connected with quite a few, um, fun people. Just again, the, the, the crowd that I think you're attracting is the, the type who does really cool shit. So they want someone to help them do it. So it's great. Yes. <laughs> come work with me. I, I love, I love working with the, uh, I love it. It's great. It's my life and it's great when that's my client's lives and it's great when I can help them do what they love to do better. Yep. Something well, I, more rewarding. I think that's a, the great, a great note to end on. Um, if you want to just like plug some of like where people can find you, if they want to work with you, I know that right now things might be a little stirred up because of, um, coronavirus, but also this probably won't be coming out for, um, a little bit. So, 
Um, even if people want to reach out virtually um, or maybe set up something in person down the road, where would they find you? Yeah, so I'm pretty prolific on Facebook and Instagram, um, and that's uh, Find Your Strong with Sarah, and it's spelled just like how it sounds, except for there's no H on my name. Um, I have I have a ton of of coaching options, and you know I work with people virtually, and I've got a really great Stronger You Workout Club, which is a virtual workout club. We meet live via Zoom from your hotel, your conference room. All, all these people are at home now, but in real life, right. it travels really well. And we just do um, home workout programming that's really specific to what I just talked about. Um, I write the workouts on a month-by-month month month basis. So that's my Stronger You Workout Club. It's virtual. And then I've got my Stronger You Coaching Package, which is my big muscles movement mindset kind of branded stuff. and. Um, I'm getting ready to graduate a group of participants, a group of clients that started at the beginning of the year with that. So, I mean, I'll definitely have a little bit of room to wiggle um, for new, new folks coming in in May. Um, so, but I'm always a resource, you know, if you, if you listen to the podcast and you have questions about any of this stuff or anything about fishing or hunting or fitness or nutrition, you know, I love to talk about it. It's, it's, it's my passion and it's what I do. So I, I always want to encourage people just don't hesitate to reach out and ping me and ask questions. And, um, you know, we can explore if it's a situation in which it's viable for us both to work together, if it's a good fit, but otherwise we can also just chat about all this stuff that we love and if I can be a resource um, that's what I'm here for yeah and that's I think that's one last point that uh, I'd like to make is that um, and, and maybe this is my personality but I'm the type where if I see someone doing something um, incredible or better than I am like I I use that as motivation like I, I want to use that to strive to be at that level um, I know some people might be the opposite where they see something and they're discouraged but um, especially right now I'd encourage people to Maybe consider, consider, you know, watching people that are doing things that you aspire to do. And instead of, of thinking of that as um, maybe somewhere that uh, that you're going to be discouraged and not want to continue on, like think about um, how if you do have some extra time right now, maybe use that as motivation to, to start small. Um, and even if it is just if people don't have the time or the extra funds right now to sign up for something formal, um, even just connecting with someone like you to, to hear what other people are doing and, and Think about how to incorporate that in your own life, um, even if it's just a little bit of motivation to to start going on walks or or do a little bit of light lifting. Um, I I think that people like you on social media um, have a positive effect, even if people aren't directly signing up for a program. Um, just just keeping an eye on what everyone's up to. A hundred percent, and I love that. And you know, I have a on my website. It's sarahcamisioni.com. It's probably going to be hard for anyone to spell. So just literally ping me on social. I can direct you to the website, but I have a ton of free resources and, and one page cheat sheets and downloading, you know, guides and resources on nutrition and, you know, eating on the road and how to, you know, incorporate an extra hour of movement into your day without losing an hour of time. So even if you aren't in a situation, if you are, you know, having a hard time coming out of COVID, even if you aren't in a situation to invest in coaching, you know, that I don't want that to stop you from reaching out and knowing that I still do have resources that are free, that are beneficial and free workout programs that are on the website. Um, if, if that's what you guys need to get going, you know, that's what I'm here to provide. And, and I, more than happy to do that. 
Awesome. Well, um, I really appreciate you coming on today. I know we could probably go for another couple hours. I, I actually still have more questions to ask, but I don't want to take too much of your evening. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Well, maybe we'll have to do another one. Oh, I had a great I'd love time. to. I'm ready for a second beer. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I will let you get going, but um, thanks again. I had a lot of fun chatting and uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon. Yeah, thank you. All right, and that is all. As always, if you liked what you heard, I'd love for you to go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to podcasts and subscribe there. Uh, If you've got a couple extra minutes, a rating or review would also be much appreciated. It doesn't take too long, and it makes a big difference on my end. You can also find all my episodes on fishuntamed.com in addition to fly fishing articles every two weeks. And you can find me on social media under my name, Katie Burgert, on Go Wild or at fishuntamed on Instagram. And I will see you all back here in two weeks. Bye, everyone. fish are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts every Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.